Coming up on Locked On Hornets, we talk with Rick Bennell about the offensive explosion last night in Atlanta, even with the Charlotte Hornets loss. Terry Rozier's continued improvement. Is he the best player this season for the Charlotte Hornets? Doug continues to love these crazy bees and this. Dizzygotic twins. Dizzygotic? Yeah, because it's a zygote, right? I remember that. Zygotic. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. We go to a frequent expert today as it's Tuesday. Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. You can find him on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. Rick, thanks so much for the time. How are you? Does that mean that I'm frequently an expert or I'm an expert you guys frequently call? You're sometimes an expert <laughs> that we frequently call. We'll go with that one. That's the one. That's, no, a, good, that's a good middle ground there, pal. <laughs> we'll compromise. That, that'll be fine. We can compromise on exactly how often you are an expert on the Hornets. Last night, though, I know you got some stats from the Hornets game last night that indicates it's one of the best offensive games really from both teams that we saw. Not a whole lot of defense played against the Atlanta Hawks as they go over 140 in double overtime. But Rick, this was an exciting game to see the Hornets be able to have that kind of offensive output. And even though they lost, we get to see Terry Rozier score 40 points. He has been playing very well as of late. What were some of the takeaways that you had from this game that we saw last night? Um, there's a, there was a breakneck pace. I mean, that reminded me of being a little kid in upstate New York and watching an ABA game on cable. I mean, it was just, it was crazy. And, and, you know, Walker, um, I'm not implying that the defense was necessarily quote good because, you know, sooner or later, if John Collins, you know, scores on his first 10 shots, you kind of need to do something. Um, but, um, I really honestly thought that that was a, a very good demonstration of the fact that um, when two NBA teams are both having hot nights, there's just so much offensive talent on the floor that there's kind of nothing you can do about it. Uh, I, I, I was curious. I haven't I haven't looked this up yet. Um, this that was the most points ever scored in combined points ever scored in a Hornets game, and the third most points by by the Hornets. Obviously, the most points have ever scored in a loss. Um, what I haven't looked up and need to do that later today is, um, how close that came to the highest scoring game in the NBA this season. Uh, it was, it was wild. And, um, I have, I have seen JB mad about calls before. Um, I hit the slow burn last night, uh, his level of upset about the reverse call that would have sent Terry to the line, probably to win the game. Um, I have his. I, I heard Molly talk about this on your on the show, on the radio show this morning. Um, he was Barishnikov as far as dancing as close to the line as he could to say <laughs> I got ripped off and not get fined. <laughs> when you took a look at it, Rick, what did you think of the ending? Really, in uh, at the end of that first overtime period, I have a problem um, with what your definition of incontrovertible evidence is. Being in the mind, the the 
you know, discretion of whoever happens to be looking at the video. Um, I think you could argue either way on what happened, but I think once a call on the floor was made, um, I was disturbed by the fact that I didn't think that what I saw, and I looked at the replay on a gigantic, gigantic screen in the press room afterward, um, I don't think that there was a legitimate reason to reverse that call. Uh, Rick, I got that stat for you. So it was not the highest scoring game this season. It was the fourth highest scoring game. The highest scoring game this season happened on October 30th against uh, Houston at Washington, 159 to 158. That was 317. Speaking of teams that can't play defense, wow. I mean, I guess that was predictable, Well, right? so, Well, so here's, <laughs> here's the funniest part. Washington has been involved in the top three highest scoring combined games this season. Um. The Wizards are the greatest. Just hurry up and score so we can get back the ball team um, probably since Doug Mo Nuggets. <laughs> well, funny yeah, Doug, Doug showing up as our seldom expert, but we frequently have him on. So Doug showing up at least as an expert with Thank that you. research. Yep, there was Doug Branson with his finest moment that will give us. Uh, when you look at Terry Rozier's performance here, Rick, it was 40 points. It was a career high. He has been playing pretty well here lately. Uh, <laughs> Is Terry the MVP of the team now? I mean, is, is it still Devonte with the way that he developed over the course of this season? Will Terry be at the end of the season? Just I, how much in the running is he to be the Hornets' best player, Rick? Um, I wouldn't say it's by a wide margin, but I would, if I had to make a vote right now, I would say with conviction that it is him. Um, and like I said, not something that can't change easily, but from the start to the end, um, I think Terry has been um, has has had the best body of work. Um, there there were moments when you could say um, PJ. There were a lot of moments when you can say Devonte. But if you look at what Terry has done, uh, as far as a level of of quality, particularly considering that he's a he's brand new to the situation. Um, and not only do I think that he's right now, this moment, the team's best player, but I'm starting to come around to the idea that that contract was well, money well spent. Rick, do you think that Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham or just this backcourt in general would go into effect in how maybe Mitch Kupchak approaches the NBA draft? Let me ask that que- ask, answer that question for you a bit more broadly. Um, when, when Rod Boone and I had a uh, had a post all uh, trade deadline um, sit down with Mitch, um, he brought that subject up in general before we even had a chance to ask him. And he said that he wanted to make sure that people understood that need would not rule the day in making that lottery pick. Period. Um, now, now. You know, understand, I know what he meant by that was if a decision is even vaguely not close, he doesn't care who, what position, you know, Mr. X plays, he's going to draft him. That, that's not the same as saying if two people were of comparable ability that he wouldn't look at the roster and figure out whether he needs one position more than the other. But Mitch is just feels very, very strongly that you don't ignore talent um, that you can, as, as he said, you know, you go draft the best people you can draft and then you figure it out later. Good stuff from Rick. And we've got more ahead, but first the season for celebration is around the corner. We've got proms, weddings, events coming up soon. 
Did you know that Queen City Beauty Group, a boutique spa in Charlotte, has an acne clinic? If you or someone you love is struggling with their skin right now, don't visit the drugstore shelves. Queen City Beauty Group can help you. Many acne medications on store shelves are what we like to call one-size-fits-all solutions. These products can actually worsen acne because one-size-fits-all skincare doesn't actually make sense when you think about it. Have you ever had a new breakout the day after you run out of an acne product? If so, that's the wrong product for your skin. It's not normal. It's called Rebound Acne. Nichelle at Queen City Beauty Group has years of experience handling all types of acne and restoring healthy skin function. In fact, she took care of you, Walker. She did, Doug, and it was a great experience. I think the number one takeaway for me was that she cared about my skin. Nichelle took the time to explain to me what she was doing, why she was doing it. Doug, I even had my choice of music in the background for maximum comfort. I had a great experience at the Queen City Beauty little Barbara Streisand, maybe? That's exactly right. You nailed it. How'd you know? Uh, just, I just know you. It's, a, you know, just time spent with you. Queen City Beauty Group will help you to clear skin without harsh chemicals, steroids, or nasty ingredients that can cause rebound acne. Proper, customized skincare from someone you trust is crucial. Go to queencitybeautygroup.com today. That's queencitybeautygroup.com for the March special, which includes a CBD oxygen dome therapy facial, a gift certificate for $75 for use on a future visit or a re-gift. You get a special gift from Queen City Beauty Group. All in total, it is a $250 value for only $99. And this is special for our listeners. Go to queencitybeautygroup.com today. March special. Enter Locked On Hornets in the comments so they know we sent you Queen City Beauty Group skincare for all. Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer joining us on the Locked On Hornets podcast. We have plenty more from him to come in the second segment here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked on Hornets. And the Google description here says on contracts made before June, where the wheat is deliverable in December, either wheat of the grades named or numbered, <laughs> B shares Batik of New York, N.B.A. So take that for what you will. It's a lot of information I just threw at you. I apologize. What was the grade? The, yeah, the wheat was graded uh, C minus. Let's get them on. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Rick, we got a chance to talk with you on the wake-up call about what the best thing to come from playing the young guys so much has been. And it seems that Cody Martin has been at least one guy that's in the conversation of being that best reward. We know that he got some national recognition from Zach Lowe after being mentioned in his article just last week. And even since then, the guy has put together a couple of other nice performances together. Uh, what has been your evaluation of Cody Martin and how he can be a player in the NBA? That a guy who looked lost trying to be a team's facilitator in July looks very comfortable being their secondary ball handler right now, and that's a big, big improvement. Um, you know, there's an intensity about him. Uh, and, and Caleb, too, to a large degree. You know, Steve Clifford used to say that the NBA needs to appreciate playing exceptionally hard as an NBA skill that is what those two guys do so well, and it matters. It matters when you have two people in your second unit who are going to raise the temperature not only of games but of practices. Um, I, I've just heard way too many other people in that locker room. Uh, Nick Batum is a huge fan of both of them and thinks that you know Cody is going to end up being a starter on this team. I, I don't know that I'm yet ready to um, predict that, but – 
those guys are keepers. And, you know, when you combine that with the fact that out of kind of out of nowhere, Jalen McDaniels is not, you know, is not only getting into games, but actually having impact, uh, you know, the, the, the effort to turn playing time into an investment in the future has worked out better than I ever anticipated. Yeah, and, and Rick, I know it might be hard to say that these players have definitively leapfrogged uh, other players, I should say. But Dwayne Bacon, he gets called back up, but I don't believe he even played at all in this game against the Hawks. In fact, no, he did not. He did get a DNPCD against Atlanta. But would you say that the future, at least for the Hornets, is greater for Caleb Martin, both the Martin twins and a Jalen McDaniels, rather than looking at Dwayne Bacon, who once we, we thought a lot uh, about his potential future? Uh, JB pregame, when we asked him about, um, um, Bake being called back up to Charlotte, um, he, he immediately just, just said, I have no, I, I'm not looking to change my rotation. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, he, he, he went overboard as far as making it clear that Bacon's presence shouldn't be, um, construed as anything more than, okay, he's here. Um, I, I found that a little bit abrupt actually, to be honest with you. And that said to me that he didn't want any misconceptions that, uh, that bake is, uh, is going to work himself back into the rotation at all. Well, the Martin twins have been getting a lot of run. How tough is it for you to tell them apart if they're not wearing the numbers, Rick, and how hard is it for James Borrego to tell them apart? Uh, in, in, in street clothes, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeless. Um, I was amazed. I was amazed to find out that, um, they're not technically identical twins. They're fraternal twins because I don't, I don't know how you pick them apart, <laughs> but, but I loved it when JB told on himself, uh, last night, he said that during the Indiana game, he told the one who was already in the game to get into the game. And the one who, the, the one who wasn't in the game kind of, you know, like, like kind of broke up for a minute and said, coach, I'm so-and-so. <laughs> you don't allow them to wear warmups. They have to be wearing the number at all times. I mean, they the look, way. they look identical. They don't look fraternal. I'm shocked. Doug, I'm shocked. But you know something? You do have, what, 2050 vision or something? So <laughs> you should know different than the rest of us. Uh, well, you know, so, yeah, I have a system. Now, I don't know if what I would do if they didn't have numbers on, but I have a system for telling them apart when they do have their jerseys on. Are you just uh, going to look whether it's 11 or 10? Well, so, but, <laughs> but sometimes that gets confusing. So I think to myself, all right, 10 is the number that is given to the best soccer player on a team. Uh, but 10 is on Caleb Martin, who has not started a game, so is not technically the best twin. That's Cody Martin. Cody's 11. It only makes sense to Doug. It only makes sense to him and nobody else. You know, there are a lot of things that I suspect only make sense to Doug that don't make yeah. sense to anybody else. Thank you. <laughs> no, 100%. You are dead on, spot on about that analysis. Uh, Rick, I want to ask you about the NBA limitations to media accessibility uh, because of the coronavirus. You know, what are your thoughts upon hearing some of the restrictions that the NBA have implemented? Uh, I don't really care all that much about uh, the locker room personally. You know, I, I, I mean, as a, as a principal – you know, as soon as this is over, the the NBA needs to go back the way it's always been. But um, I, frankly, I'm probably going to have more difficulty with this whole idea that you know um, interviews are going to be have to take place with like you know reporters like six feet away. Mm-hmm. I mean, that takes all the ability to have a conversation away from the process. And and, and Walker, as as I was joking with you earlier this morning, um, 
The Hornets had an off night in Atlanta, and tonight they have an off night in Miami. I am real confident of the fact that any germs that the players pick up in those two night off nights would be far worse than anything they can possibly pick up from me. (laughs) (laughs) They're not going to be from Rick. You're not going out clubbing in Miami, Rick? Um, I think I might make it through like the first half of the first ACC night game tonight before I fall asleep. No, Rick Bennell, party animal, joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, (laughs) a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. Rick, thank you so much uh, for the time. We always appreciate it. Uh, Absolutely, guys. You have a good day. All right. Once again, Rick Bennell joining us once again on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. One more segment to go here as we recap the Atlanta Hawks game and the Terry Rozier performance on the Lockdown Podcast Network. This is Locked on Hornets. I'm not a big fan of grape jelly. I kind of, I'm a little insulted that you referred to me as grape jelly. I'm not a fan of grape anything. Now, I like grapes, but I don't like grape flavoring. I think it goes back to the Robitussin that I had as a kid, and I just don't like grape flavoring. Anyway, great to be back. Great to be back on the show. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. We had Doug on the wake-up call this morning, and he had many declarations for myself and Molly. He had some Douglarations at it has been coined. Excited you were, Doug, after watching this game against Atlanta. It was an exciting game after seeing the most points scored by the Hornets and an opposing team in Hornets history, I believe, that Rick just relayed to us. 138 points scored by Charlotte in two overtimes. What are some of the Douglarations that you have here today on the podcast? I just love these crazy bees, man. I mean, these guys are awesome. I'm just glad I'm in the studio again. I can yell. I don't have to use my NPR voice anymore. I can get excited about the Hornets' fourth highest scoring game uh, in the NBA this season. Now, that was double overtime. I was looking. I'm, I'm really interested in these stats on the highest scoring games this season. You don't get to a game uh, on this list that doesn't include Washington or Atlanta until one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And that was a game, uh, Clippers-Celtics, a double overtime uh, victory for the Boston Celtics. That's crazy. Atlanta and Washington have been a part of so many of these just ridiculously high-scoring games. The top three games this year were all in regulation. They weren't even in overtime. (laughs) That's crazy. I mean, we saw a bunch of offense from Terry, Doug. I know you have been a fan of what Terry has given us uh, in the last few games. Yeah, no, totally. I think Terry Rozier has played excellently. He's played well in in clutch minutes, and that's not just in this post-All-Star break period, although I think he's been more assertive in the post-All-Star break period, but he's been great in the clutch all season long. And you know, so much of it, I think, is about narrative. I used to talk about this all the time with Nick Batum, that the reason we didn't feel like Nick was an impact player is because we didn't see him hit big shots when it mattered. And even if he was a contributor across the board, we just didn't get that sense from him. I think that has a little bit to do with how we feel about Terry Rozier because we haven't seen him knock down the shots to win the game, but he's been so impactful in the final five minutes of a close game, and the Hornets have played a lot of close games, and I'm not sure it's totally his fault that he hasn't been able to establish that narrative. I think if you put some better players around him next season, you're going to see those L's turn into W's, uh, but he's been fantastic this season. I, I just, I, I enjoy watching him play. 
he was pretty good last night. There's no doubt about that. I, the difficulty of the shots that he took and hit last night were incredible, including that three-pointer that he hit to tie it up at 138 apiece before eventually Atlanta would hit a couple of buckets or one bucket and then a free throw. A um, couple free throws by Reddish, I believe, at the end of this game to put this game on ice. What Terry was doing, I, you talk about the degree of difficulty on those shots, Doug. I think that was the biggest thing that I took away from his performance. Oh, totally. And and it's not. Th- let's not take that for granted, hitting those tough shots. In the NBA, it, they're all tough shots. I mean, you're, you're just not going to get a ton of wide-open looks in, an, in a competitive NBA game. And so the... The teams that can compete at all have one player that can knock down tough shots. The good teams have multiple players. The elite teams has have three or four players and one off the bench that can hit tough shots. The Hornets have one guy right now, and you may say 1A and Devontae Graham, when he's feeling it, he can hit tough shots, although he's done so much of his damage, it feels like just being wide open, guys not taking Devontae Graham seriously. But Terry, they take Terry seriously, and they should because – Terry gets scary when the game gets hairy. A Dr. Seuss line for you on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. <laughs> One, There's a Very. lot to get to before. I don't want to have this big discussion on Terry Rozier. There's a lot to get to from this game. But to me, Rick Bennell, he said that it was money well spent on the contract. Making $18 million, that move got hammered this offseason when pundits would get together and they would say what the worst move in the NBA was during free agency. They would often come up with Terry Rozier's contract and they would often come up with Ricky Rubio's contract. Those were the two contracts that were mentioned constantly. I never thought it was that bad. I never was adamant about it. I didn't think it was a great deal. Didn't think it was even all that good, but I never thought it was as bad as what other NBA pundits were uh, saying that it was. Doug, for me, I just cared if he made it tradable. And I think Absolutely, he's made this a tradable contract. Like, that's the only thing I wanted to happen. And I think Terry Rozier, I think you probably are a little higher on him than I've been this season, but the guy's been good. Like, I've I've been pleasantly surprised by what Terry Rozier has given us. And I think absolutely that contract is 100% tradable, maybe even easily tradable, given that it's only going to be for two more years. And it's um, it's one that declines in value. I believe it's I believe it goes 19, 18, 17. And so I, that, that was the one thing I wanted, and there's no doubt that's a tradable contract on the roster for the Hornets right now. No, I agree. It's, it's a short contract. It, it declines in value, but he has increased in value. But what was the, yeah, one, what was the one thing that Rozier really had to prove by coming to Charlotte? What was the one thing? I, I think efficiency with the volume, if his volume increased, and, and he's done that. Exactly, because that's the one question that we have about all of these players. Okay, if because we, we always look at per 36 numbers of guys who are on the bench, and we make them, we extrapolate and say, well, if you just give this guy some more run, you know, he'll be better. But what oftentimes happens is you, you know, because of injury, you, these guys get more run, and then they become significantly less efficient at doing what they've been able to do with less minutes. And so that was the big question around Terry, and he's answered that in the affirmative that yes, if you give this guy more minutes, he can be an impact player. And so that makes him attractive. And I just, I don't see Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham long-term being part of a duo, a starting duo that is successful for the Charlotte Hornets because of what it does to them defensively. Although I think if they do stick with that pair, it could mean good things for guys like Cody Martin because you'd love to stick Cody Martin next to them and because of what he can do in terms of being a second ball handler, but also what he can do in terms of switching and, and being a defensive presence. But I, I just think they have to make a decision on one of those guys at some point, Terry or Devontae, 
And I think Terry increasing his value is only going to help the Hornets make that decision. I have no problem saying that Cody Martin absolutely has starter potential with this yeah, Hornets team. I'm there. I, what what Cody has done defensively, I think he's been fantastic. Yes, there's growing pains, but this is the first year in the association for Cody Martin. Doug, he had nine assists in that game against the Houston Rockets, and yet the assist in this game against the Hawks, I think I was more impressed with. Man, there were times where Cody just felt exactly what was going to happen. There were some given goes that he had. There was one pass, I believe, to Bismack beyond that was fantastic the alley-oop that he had to miles bridges where miles flushes it with one hand i was so impressed with what cody martin did just facilitating the basketball in this game you might take away caleb's performance a little bit more because he goes eight of ten i mean it's certainly the best game that caleb martin has ever played um i and and i could be confusing the two i think it was cody when he was passing it though when i was so impressed but cody martin to me doug i i am thrilled with the kind of potential that he possesses as a second round pick yeah, he's listen. He's got a tight handle. Uh, he he knows now how to get by guys in the NBA. That was something. I w- it was weird early on in the season. I felt like like why isn't this guy driving? Like why isn't he moving to the basket? It just seemed like he was a little bit hesitant. Uh, he probably didn't want to turn the basketball over because you don't. I think when you're a young guy, you're coming in, you're getting your first minutes. You don't want to be too fancy. You don't want to turn the basketball over. You don't want to look bad. I think he's gotten over that. And, and, and I think a lot of that has to do with the time that he spent uh, down in Greensboro. I think that's the benefit of Greensboro is that you can go down there and look bad and it doesn't hurt you. And so he comes back. He's more confident. He's driving the basketball. He's pulling defenders. And then we're seeing his vision. You know, that's the thing. He's always I think he's always had a good vision as a as a guard. And, and it was one of the things that was noted about him uh, coming out of Nevada. But he hasn't been able to display it until now because he can pull guys to him and then make the read. Well, Doug, Cody was scared. I mean, when he had the basketball at the beginning of the season, the dude was legitimately shook, and he got over that extremely quickly. I, I think yeah. now Cody just looks in complete control with the basketball in his hands. You know, one thing that we haven't talked about, P.J. Washington, 16 minutes. So four fouls. He does get in foul trouble. There's no doubt about that. But James Borrego found a rotation that he wanted to work with that was at least scoring the basketball. And P.J. only plays 16 minutes and only goes one of six from the field. Miles Bridges, another bad game for him. I think we're in mini slum territory for him. I believe that's about five contests in a row that Miles Bridges has not shot the ball well. Only four points in 26 minutes for Miles Bridges and uh, four assists. I guess that's a little bit better than the average. But what do you think about those two guys? We talked about them a lot um, in various ways this season. What do you make of their performances last night? Well, PJ, I'm not really worried about. I think you hit it. You hit the nail on the head. He got into foul trouble. Seemed like it was an off night for him. And when the when the opposing team is scoring like Atlanta was scoring, I think it was a good read by James Borrego to just say, "All right, I got to go with the guys who are hitting shots." And you know, my rotation be damned. Throw it out the window. You know, you're in for a high scoring battle. Just go with the guys who are knocking down shots. And and PJ was not one of those players. Plus, he had foul trouble. So I think those combined uh, took him out of that night, but I'm not worried about it. He's He's been playing well of, of late. Miles Bridges, on the other hand, I think you're right. He is in a mini slump, and it comes after a February where he really seemed to figure things out offensively, uh, but now it's been a miserable March. His minutes are down. His usage is down. That's a weird thing to me because his usage had ticked up significantly in line with his improvement in February. He was not only playing better, but he was getting – uh, more opportunities to play better. Now all of that's gone down. His overall shooting percentage is down. His three-point percentage is down way big. 
And so much of his offensive efficiency is derived from his ability to hit corner threes. He missed, I think, three of them against Atlanta last night. He couldn't miss those in February. On the year, he's shooting 37% from the corner, but in the last nine games, Walker, he's shooting 23.5% from the corner. That's just not going to be good things for Miles Bridges if he can't do that. Maybe you don't want to give a shout-out to those guys, Doug, but you do want to give a shout-out to the veteran bigs for the Charlotte Hornets team. Ah, yeah, I just love what Cody Zeller and Biz Biombo are doing right now. Biz said, you know, hey, I could have asked for a buyout, but, you know, when you're a part of something, I think it speaks to James Borrego, honestly. You could get Marvin Williams wanted to go play for a contender. He's reaching the end of his career. You understand that. MKG was getting absolutely zero runs, so you totally understood his um, wanting a buyout. Uh, but Bismack could have easily asked for one, too, and he didn't because he saw that Borrego is building something here. Now, whether or not he's part of the future of that is to be seen. But I respect Biz for doing that, and I respect Cody, uh, who has you know sort of oscillated his entire career from being a starter to a bench player. Uh, but he's getting DNPs and then coming back and giving maximum effort against a team like Atlanta. So I just have a lot of respect for these veterans who are saying, hey, I don't know if I'm a part of this whole thing, but I'm going to give it all I got. I, I just think you have to respect that. By the way, I got some information on the difference between identical and fraternal twins. That shocked me when Rick said that <laughs> they are not identical twins because they look identical to me. I mean, I got two yes, eyeballs. I was shook when I heard that 100%. So it's a biological thing, apparently. It has nothing to do with the fact they look alike or don't look alike. Because fraternal or dizygotic twins, dizygotic? Yeah, because it's a zygote, right? I remember that. Zygotic. Dizygotic twins are two separate fertilized eggs. They usually develop two separate amniotic sacs, placentas, and supporting structures. Identical or monozygotic twins, monozygotic may or may not share the same amniotic sac depending on how early the single fertilized egg divides into two. So that's the difference. And that's your information on the Martin twins. And I think that's why Cody is a better passer, honestly. (laughs) That that explains it all. That wraps up this edition of Locked On Hornets. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NBA. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow.